Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Edinburgh International Book Festival and this event with Louise Renison. When I found out I was going to be introducing Louise Renison, I nearly had a nervy bee because she's one of my favourite authors. <laughs> uh, my name's Julie, I work at Blackwells. Um, Louise is a professional funny person. If Mensa let funny people in, she would be one of them. Um, she's uh, scared of flying. And if she wasn't a writer, she said she'd love to be Thierry Henry. <laughs> um, we're here uh, because she's written her eighth Georgia Nicholson book, Lerve is a Many Trousered Thing. Uh, there will be questions at the end, and Louise will be signing in the tent next door. Um, it gives me great pleasure, Uwer, to introduce to you Louise Renison. Can you hear me? Yes. You're going to have to be really, really, really kind to me. I'm so, I know I shouldn't, and the grown-ups will hate me, but I'm so, I've had too many drinks last night. <laughs> and I went to church this morning, because you know, I'm a big fan of baby Jesus. But it was so boring. It was really astonishingly dull, to the extent that I just wanted to smash my head against the pew. Really, an hour and a half of complete boredom. And I was going mad, and I thought, I have to get out, I have to get out. And then I thought, well, maybe I've missed doing my gig. I've been in here so long. Maybe it's two o'clock. So I looked, because I haven't got a watch, I looked at my mobile, and it went off. I switched it on, and it went off, and I went, oh, <laughs> oh, like this. Tried to get out, fell over a woman's walking stick. She got up to her shaky little feet, and she was doing it. And it was just everybody in the church watched me crash out of the doors. So I'm a bit tired, actually, and exhausted. So what I might do is just because it's more fun for me, I'm gonna. How many of you have seen me before? Oh, look in the front. And who hasn't? Her, who hasn't seen me before? Why? What have you been doing? <laughs> Can't be bothered. Actually, I, I, how many Scottish people, Ockay Land people, are there here? Oh, loads! Fantastic. Actually, I, this is quite sincere. I have always had the best time in Scotland, and actually, Edinburgh was the first place where I sort of people really got my books. So I'm really, really grateful to you. Thank you very much, Scottish people. And that's why I'm so very, very um, kind about you in my books. <laughs> None of the girls, you know, um, when in, I think it's the first one, Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging, when they go to France on a sort of school trip. Do you go away on school trips? Yeah. And uh, some girls, and I hope that they're probably not here, but they sent me, um, you know, because we actually got this enormous giant beret, which we sort of, was like that big. And we wore them in France proudly, in front of the Parisian people. And some Scottish girls wrote to me and they sent me some photos and they'd actually gone to France and they'd got massive tam hats with ginger wigs underneath like that. And they just, they were photographs of them on the Champs-Élysées, having a little bit of a croissant with the big tam hats on. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. And just before I... I'm going to ramble on a bit. You'll, you'll notice this. You won't know when I've started. Um, but what I want to tell you is that, you know Angus? I'm going to do a bit of reading about Angus, the Scottish wildcat in the... Uh, people always ask me if any of the things in the books are actually based on people I know or if it's all made up. And even though every time I go out, my mum and dad say, please tell those nice people that it's all entirely made up. It's not about us, it's not about your family, it's just a fictitious, rather horrible girl. <laughs> <laughs> I 
So with, you know, deference to my parents, I'm going to tell you that actually it is entirely based on me and my life <laughs> and my family. And what is so much worse is that when I wrote the first book, I did it really quickly and I didn't really know how to write a book. So I put real people's names in the book. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'll change it later before it gets published, but I forgot. <laughs> so not only are there real people in the book, but they're all named. So guess, say for instance, you know Elvis Atwood, the school caretaker in Angus Songs and the school... Guess what he's called in real life? Mr. Atwood. <laughs> and I'm sure that he'll kill me whenever I go back to Yorkshire, but actually with a bit of luck he'll be dead. <laughs> because he was about 180 when we... I, do you know what I think? Do you have school caretakers still? Yeah. What are they like? <laughs> They're mad, aren't they? And they hate, they hate children. They hate girls. I'm sure when they have a, like, an application form, it says, uh, are you mad? Yes or no? B, do you hate girls? And if it's yes to both questions, they go, well, there you are, the job's yours. <laughs> anyway, Elvis Atwood um, is named. And Angus is actually a real... We, we got him um, in, when we came up to a holiday in Loch Lomond. And he was a sort of... He was playing around in the garden. And I should have known when he savaged my cardigan that there was something severely wrong with him mentally. But I begged and pleaded with my mum and dad. And I said, oh, he hasn't got any mummy or daddy. <laughs> and my dad said, he's probably eaten them. Anyway, we took it, I, I persuaded, I begged and pleaded and whined for so long that actually we brought him back down to our house in Yorkshire and he just grew. He actually grew to the size of a small Labrador, <laughs> only mad. And I used to take him round on a lead um, until he ate it. <laughs> he used to, he was the funniest cat, I so loved him. He used to beat up next door's poodles. <laughs> he was really funny, he used to lie on the, you know, the dividing wall like that with his big fat paw kind of dangling. They'd be going mad, you know, going <laughs> yapping at that. And then he'd get up and he'd kind of leap down onto the back of one of them and ride them around like a little horsey. <laughs> anyway, the most thrilling thing in the entire universe has happened to me, and I hope you'll all join in with this. I've been asked to be a patron. You know, the Scottish wildcats are a really endangered species now. There's only 400 of them left. And there's a kind of conservation thing up in the north of Scotland and somebody, you know, is trying to save them and everything. And they've asked me to be patron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what I want you to do, they are the best fun, honest to God. Let's just adopt them all. Don't you think? As a gang. Let's just make them ours and then we can play around with them. <laughs> Tease them. Actually, one year, I think it was about three years ago, this very, I have to say, did sound a bit mad. Uh, bloke who looks after him, he's retired now, thank goodness, um, he said that he actually had a cross, he had a, a, a cat which was half tabby and half Scottish wildcat called Angus, can you believe that? And he was going to bring it down to the Edinburgh Festival for me to have on stage with me. I was so beside myself with excitement. Anyway, the day before, he uh, phoned up and said, I oh, can you bring him? And I said, why not? Is that a good, is that a good accent? Or is it rather Indian? I don't know. <laughs> I can you bring him? I'm so talented-ish. <laughs> um, I can't even bring him. He's savaged the wife's hand. She's had to go to casualty. I laughed, as you would. I went, <laughs> And then I realised that actually he was serious. And uh, so he didn't bring him. And I told my mum, I said, look, Angus was going to come and everything. And then he savaged the wife's hand. And my mum went, oh, well, I mean, people shouldn't have them if they don't know how to handle them. She said, um, was he feeding it? And I said, yes, I, I think the wife was feeding. And she said, well, was she in the same room as, as the cat? 
And I said, yeah. She said, well, there you are. It's just irresponsible. <laughs> and then I realised that when, Ang when we fed Angus, what we did, we'd, we'd lock him out. He'd be hurling himself at the kitchen door <laughs> to get the food. We'd put the food out, scamper out the kitchen door, round and let him in with the food, but never at any time were you with the food and the cat at the same time. So anyway, that's my little Angus story. And in my new book, I just want to read a little bit from... Who's got the new book? Who, that means some people haven't. <laughs> Who hasn't got the new book? What are you doing with your lives? It's so easy to just pop and get it. Why do I bother writing them if you're not going to read them? It's silly. It's a waste of my time. I feel like a fool. <laughs> my bell. Off. You all, you're all really worried now. That, yeah, you see. Is there, you only have to do that to people in this. Like going, oh, fuck. Now I've got to find my glasses. Stop. You see how organised I am? <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> oh, what a professional. Yeah, so in this love is a many trousered thing, I, it is, it, oh, I know it's childish, but it really gives me... I had to do some um, American interviews on television, which is a bit weird, really, because they could see me on this massive screen in America, but I couldn't see them. I could just see the sort of lens thing, which is a bit disconcerting. And um, they don't really get it, the Americans, actually. I don't know why they like me there. They don't seem to understand a word I'm talking about. <laughs> they didn't even know... When I, when I sold my first book to America, they phoned up and said... Uh, uh, Mr. Renison, you're a genius. That is a nice aspect of them, you see, because they're quite honest. <laughs> you're a genius. Uh, we love your work. But what is snoggling? <laughs> I've no idea what snoggling is. It sounds quite nice. Anyway, they turned out to not understand a single thing that I was talking about. So that's why, you know, the glossary is in the back of the book. I d this is supposed... I thought that was me for a minute. I thought <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> It's very unnerving. I just thought, that's a bit unflattering, isn't it? <laughs> um, what was I talking about? Oh, yes, America. Um, yeah, and so the second book was called It's OK, I'm Wearing Really Big Knickers. And uh, they said, oh, no, we can't call it that here because um, we don't wear knickers. And I was thinking, oh, you cheeky mixes. <laughs> Wandering around in your nutty pants. But in fact, they wear panties. And I said, well, I'm not having a book of mine called It's OK, I'm Wearing Really Big Panties. <laughs> Because that's a bit, like, incontinent, isn't it? <laughs> Smacks of old people in hospitals. Oh, yeah, and the other one that they wouldn't have was, um, and that's when it fell off in my hand. They said, no. And I said, what? Why? And they said, no, it's, it's, it's too rude. <laughs> and I said, well, well, what do you think it, what do you think fell off? What? Do you think I mean a boy's trouser snake addenda? <laughs> and they said, yes, yes, something like that. And I said, well... If a boy's trouser snake addenda <laughs> fell off in your hand, that would not be a comedy book, would it? It'd be a medical book. But you can't tell them. Also, they won't have, you know, love. Clearly, this is a joke, isn't it, on the word love. Not in America, because they said no. It's just love is a mini trouser thing, because they said that they wouldn't understand it. Frankly, I despair. <laughs> but they love me, so that's all right. Right. I'm going to just do a little bit about Angus from the new book. Angus is still lying on his back on the wall while Naomi licks his face. And now she started on his bumoli. How disgusting. Kitty porn, first thing in the morning. 
Also, they're both covered in what looks like snot. Oh, blimey O'Reilly's trousers. It isn't snot, it's frog spawn. They have been marauding about in Mr. and Mrs. Nextdoor's new marine conservation area, known to other normal people as a bucket with disgusting tadpoles and slime in it. The Pratt brothers, also known as Mr. Nextdoor's annoying and useless toy poodles, were on marine conservation lifeguard duty. <laughs> Do you know they had to have a dog psychiatrist into these poodles? <laughs> to coach them back out of their kennels. Um, so all Angus had to do was duff them up a bit, round them up into their kennel, and then it was a night of splashing around in the bucket to his heart's content. The next doors will go absolutely ballistic. They always do about the least thing. Mr. Next Door has been hovering on the edge of a nervy spaz for the last year, and this might drive him over the edge and into the rest home. Oh, do you remember the... Um, I've got it in the back of here. Do you remember the, the losing its scale? Do you use that? I'll just remind you. Number one is minor tis, two is a complete tis and to-do, three is a strop, four is a visit to strop central, five is FT, funny turn. <laughs> Word, my mother said to me, you, oh, I was reading one of my books and she said, are you laughing at your own books? <laughs> and I am, it's pathetic, it's not attractive, I know. <laughs> it is funny. <laughs> Six is a spaz attack, seven is a complete dither spaz, Eight is a nervy bee, nervous breakdown. Nine is complete nervy bee, and ten is ballisticissimus. <laughs> Just to remind you. And also, do you do the snogging scale? Yeah. Do you? Do you use mine? Yeah. One to ten. <laughs> Actually, I've got my, uh, when was it, about two years ago, um, my publishers were in, and they were all sitting on the front row, and I asked about the snogging scale, and this tiny little girl, who must have been about seven, I said, oh, have you all got snogging scales? And she was sitting there, and I couldn't help it. She went, like that. And I went, you've got a snogging scale like that. And all my, I could see the grown-ups and publishers going, no, no, don't go there. <laughs> but I had to ask her. I said, not that I'm implying you look like seven. You understand that, don't you? You don't. You look full of maturiosity. Anyway, so I said to her, you've got a snogging scale. What is it? What, what's number one? And she went, uh kissing hands and I went oh that's so sweet you kiss a boy's hand and she said no we sit next to the boy and we kiss our own hand <laughs> it's top isn't it that top it's so sweet <laughs> where was I now oh yeah <laughs> Mr Nextdoor has been hovering on the edge of a nervy spaz for the last year and this might drive him over the edge and into the rest home with a bit of luck his shorts will probably explode with attention which is no bad thing, unless I happen to be around at the time, and I'm exposed to the sight of his huge bottom looming about. I said to Angus, you are so bad, Angus, and in for big trub. That is a fact. Au revoir, dead kitty pal. I'm sure he understands every word I say, because he got idly to his feet, stretched and nudged Naomi off the wall. He treats his girls rough. Naomi leapt back on the wall and arched her back and raised her hackles, making that really mad screechy noise that Burmese cats do. She was spitting at Angus and teetering backwards and forwards, really, really mad. They are bonkers, aren't they? But <laughs> these cats. Angus was frightened. Not. When she got near enough, he biffed her with his paw and she disappeared over the wall again. <laughs> he had to laugh. Not for long, though, because after he'd rolled about on the lawn to get rid of the frog spawn, he began stalking me. Oh, no. Not today, my furry friend. I'm not having him tagging along with me all day, causing mayhem and eating anything that moves. I said, clear off, Angus. Stay there. Sit! 
I even threw him a stick to distract him, and he ran bounding off after it, but then came back to trail along behind me. I started running. He started running. I hid behind a wall. His head loomed over the wall at me. <laughs> In the end, to give him the hint, I threw stones at him, some of them quite big. <laughs> Five minutes later, this is hopeless. He doesn't care about having stones thrown at him at all. He's senselessly brave. One minute later, he's trying to catch the stones in his mouth. <laughs> one minute later, he's just slightly dazed himself by heading one of them. In Jazzy's garden, 9am, no sign of Jazz being up and her curtains are drawn. Dammy, damn, damn, she's so lazy, snoozing in pants land. I don't want to arouse any interest in the elderly mad by ringing the bell, even though Jazz's mum and dad are on the whole more acceptable than most, in that they provide snacks and Jazz's dad doesn't speak. They are still technically in the elderly loon category. Three minutes later, how can I get, to ja how can I get Jazz to get up without ringing the doorbell? One minute later, oh, here we are. There's a ladder in the shed. I can use my initiative and girl guide training, which I haven't got and never will have, and use the ladder to make a small fire to send smoke signals past her bedroom window. Shut up, brain. Five minutes later, it must be a child's ladder, as it only reaches to just above the lounge window. I would have to have orangutan arms on stilts to reach Jazz's window. Poo and murd. Two minutes later, as I was looking up, wondering how to make my arms grow, something bit my ankle really viciously. Angus was on the ladder with me, looking at me and playfully biting my legs. Ouch! Bloody ouch! I reached down to strangle him and I was just saying, you bloody furry freak, I'll kill you when I get down from here, when I saw Jazz's dad standing on the garden path with his paper, smoking his unlit pipe. <laughs> he was looking at me like I was Norma normal. I said, ah, yes, ah. I was just thinking I'd see what your garden looked like from up here. And yep, 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 it looks very, very, very nice indeed. <laughs> Full of stuff, growing and so on. What was I talking about? Five minutes later, Jazz's dad is sensationally nice or insane. It's hard to tell. He let Angus carry his newspaper into the house and didn't even seem to mind when he ate it. <laughs> Actually, I was, with, this is, I was with my friend. You know, people also ask me about the Ace Gang. Have you all got gangs? You learnt a lot from my ace gang. Lots of grown-up stuff, like the snot disco dance. <laughs> That's in the new book. You'll have to get it to read it, when you know. Um, but uh, they were asking me about, you know, whether I, this jazz and everybody existed. And actually, they do. And I saw Rosie, who goes out with Sven. She actually still is going out with some. She's not going out with Sven, but she's going out with somebody equally insane. <laughs> Sven actually did have uh, flares that kind of had lights sewn into the seams, so they, they lit up. <laughs> I don't know where he was from. Anyway, Rosie and I were talking about hair come out. Do any of you go to girls' schools? All girls' schools. Oh, God. Whose idea is that? How many girls at your school? A thousand. A thousand. <laughs> Whose idea is that? A thousand girls under one roof. It is just criminally insane, isn't it? Some of them are quite young. Yeah. You're not making it any better for yourself. It makes the younger they are, the madder they are. That's true, isn't it? Yeah. But a thousand girls. And have you? Do you have um, male teachers? Yeah, 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 we do. You see, we only had one. We had one male ta teacher who had the double comedy value of being both the only male in the school and German. <laughs> and also, do any of you do German? Yeah. What a crap language, isn't it? <laughs> no, honestly, they bring it in themselves. I've got the German. 
This is the German version. I'm t as you know in the book, I'm tremendously rude about the Germans. In fact, they're not on their own. I'm tremendously rude about everybody. But they love me in Germany. They do. They adore me. The books are really, really bestsellers. And Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snog is actually called Frontal Knutchen <laughs> in German. And I couldn't resist it. I had to think, how do they translate the rude German jokes, I wonder? Uh, but I couldn't help it. I had to look up the um, scoring system in German, you know, the snogging one. Do you remember the, uh, what was it, number one's arm around, two's... I can't remember now. Can you remember? I should test you. Yeah, it's holding hands is number one. Two is arm around. Three is a good night kiss. Four is a kiss lasting over three minutes without a breath. And I was just saying to Rosie, how did we do that then? How do we know it's three minutes? Did you have like a sad mate who had a watch but no boyfriend? <laughs> and they went. It's three minutes. <laughs> and Rosie said, no, you used to do it. I used to do it myself. I actually had the watch like position. <laughs> so I could just see. And they go, oh, right, number four. <laughs> oh, happy days. <laughs> and I've not lost my respect for men, <laughs> like I had then. Um, five, open mouth kissing. Six was tongues. Seven was upper body fondling outdoors. <laughs> Eight was upper body fondling indoors. Why is that higher? Nine was below waist activity, <laughs> BWA. <laughs> and ten was the full Monty. Uh, now, remember, I probably told you girls before, but it still makes me laugh. Because I used to try and ignore my farty. I do still call him farty. He loves it. <laughs> I used to try and ignore my father as much as I possibly could. And if I happened to be in the same room as him, I'd kind of wouldn't, you know, sort of not acknowledge he was there. And uh, I was watching, uh, he was watching the news, and I was with Jazz. And it said on the television, and tonight, the Prime Minister's reached number 10. <laughs> and we were going... My dad was thinking, what is so funny about the news? Anyway, so German, the Germans, see, I've made the stage my own. It's like my hotel room. <laughs> Number one is Hanschenhalten. Two is Arm Umlegen. Three is Abscheidkuss. They ask for it, don't they? Four is Kuss der Uber der Drei Minuten Dauert. Five is Kuss mit geöffneten Lippen. <laughs> Six is Zungenkuss. <laughs> there's nobody German in the audience. Please say there's nobody German in the audience. Is there really? No. This is the first time I've escaped this because there always is. Somebody I'm rude about will always be in the audience. And they'll, say, they'll start saying things. There was this one German girl went, It's Abscheidkuss. And she, I, I thought, I know what she'll, she'll just correct my pronunciation the whole way through it. So I got her up on stage to read them out. <laughs> and everybody, the girls were all laughing. She's going, what is so funny about Abscheidkuss? And I just couldn't explain. I didn't, you know, I could see my life going by. <laughs> she said, oh, yes, it reminds me of a German joke. I said, please, I'm only on for an hour. We'll never get to the verb. <laughs> Number nine is Rummenchen unter Hauptetaler. <laughs> and ten is Ausgansigehen. <laughs> oh, it sounds marvellous. Anyway, what was I telling you about the Germans? Quickly, quickly. You don't know, do you? I was saying how popular. Oh, no, it was Rosie talking about her. So we had this German teacher. 
And I used to so look for, I used to teach us physics as well as German. And also, another thing about German, why would you have in your textbook a family called the Koch family? <laughs> it could have been Schmidt, or, or couldn't it? Anything. Brun. But no, it was the Cox. <laughs> so I just spent the whole of German making up cock jokes. Because <laughs> the Cox went camping an awful lot. <laughs> We're taking their spangled ferkel with them. <laughs> and I remember going, uh, how come I? Did all the Cox <laughs> come out? Or did some stay in? And just the bigger cocks. <laughs> out. Oh, we did laugh. Anyway, heck am I? Yeah, Rosie was saying, I was talking about him, and she was saying, oh, God, do you think we actually drove him to sort of early grave? Heck am I? Because he was actually quite a decent bloke, but he just was so relentlessly German. Um, and I, he used to take us, he was put in charge of us to take us on school trips, and he took us somewhere in the Lake District. And... Uh, <laughs> We were on one of those really old-fashioned trains, you know, with uh, slam doors on either side. And when we got to Olverston or somewhere like that, I was tremendously enthusiastic. There's nothing we could do to dampen his enthusiasm for life, <laughs> even though we tried. Um, <laughs> we got there and he went, Ah, here they are, girls! Opened the door on the wrong side of the train and just disappeared off onto the track. We howled with laughter. But he could have been dead, couldn't he? Oh, and the other thing, I know this is very, very childish, but I can't help it. Do you remember the bit in Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging when he used to have physics on Friday afternoons? And uh, we were already in a kind of state of near hysteria because, you know, we'd only got four hours to put our makeup on when we got home. <laughs> so we started doing our nail polish and stuff in physics. Anyway, how come I was doing um, an experiment about the vibration of atoms and how they sort of interrelate? <laughs> he was using some billiard balls on a, a tea towel on the desk to show us, you know. And I thought of a joke. And I went, um, how come I, what part does the tea towel play in the molecular structure of atoms? <laughs> Honestly, you would have wanted to kill me, wouldn't you? <laughs> I even I want to kill me. Um, anyway, so I said that. And he said, Ah, no. Uh, I use the tea towel to keep my balls still. <laughs> <laughs> I had to be carried to Slim's office. <laughs> yeah, poor Slim. <laughs> uh, honestly, she was so fat, you actually could not see her feet. Uh, you can see her shoes when she had... Because <laughs> her feet kind of exploded over... So you'd hear the little heels clattering along, but <laughs> you'd only see the feet. So we called her Slim as a kind of, it was a tribute, really. <laughs> I'm just going to read you one. Uh, what I'd like very much is if you'd like to ask me some questions, because it's, it's more fun for me if I know what's in your hideous brains. No, no, what, you know, what you want to know about things that I can tell you about. But I just want to do this little bit of a read, because it's quite good. For, I've never read out loud from this book, because it's so new. Right, this is about um, camping. They go on a camping trip at the end. Um, oh no, first of all, I'll tell you about the snot disco dance. Rosie blew a bubblegum bubble that exploded all over her nose. Very amusing. She had a big blob hanging off her nose like a huge bogey. She said, look how it dangles about. I bet I can swing it round and round in time to some music, like a snot disco. 
You lot sing something jolly, and I'll, impro I'll improvise on bogey work. <laughs> Five minutes later, I think, despite being slightly singed in the oven of love, I may be going to dive laughing. The snot disco dance is officially born. Dance to the tune of EastEnders. <laughs> it's swing your snot to the left. Oh, that's sorry. <laughs> swing to the right. Not many choices there. Full turn, shoulder shrugging. Now nod to the front, dangle, dangle, hand on shoulders and kick, kick to the right, dangle, dangle, kick, kick to the left, dangle, dangle, and then full snot around and shimmy to the ground. Excellent in every way. As we strolled back for an action-packed morning of being bored and depressed, I said to the gang, I bet we could have the snot coming out of our nostrils all through German and Herr Kammeyer wouldn't notice. Or if he does, we could pretend we had really bad colds. Hand over the bubblegum girls and get chewing. German. It was a triumph, darling, a triumph. We were all translating from our textbooks. What larks? The Cock family were off on another camping trip. <laughs> Taking an enormous amount of food with them, as usual. In our books, there are hilariously bad illustrations of the Cock family drawn by a blind person. Mrs. Cock looks very, very like Herr Kammeyer in a frock. I never get tired of the Cocks. In fact, I'm thinking of writing to the author of the textbook, a. Schmidt, no, I'm not joking, and asking where the cocks live. I want to write a letter to them, thanking them for the endless hours of fun they have given us all. I put up my hand to ask a pressing cock question. <laughs> when Herr Kammeyer noticed my hand blowing in the wind, he said, Yeah, Georgia. Herr Kammeyer, there's a strange-looking thing in one of the pictures of the cocks. It looks like a very tiny poo on a plate, but that doesn't seem right. <laughs> Herr Kammeyer blinked through his moly glasses. Ah, Bring up the picture, Georgia, and we will see. I quickly attached my bubble gum bogey as I pretended to sneeze into my hanky and went up to his desk with a snot rag still covering my nose. Herr Kammeyer didn't notice. He is so interested in things, it's tragic, really. He actually seems to believe that we want to learn things. I put the textbook down in front of him at the picture of the cops and pointed to the poo on a plate. Ah, so, Georgia, the spangle furkle. Oh, yeah. I remember when I was a young man, we went into the woods camping. We would cook up the Spangle Circle and sing our songs around the campfire. The fun we had camping! You would have loved it, girls! I still had my hanky out to disguise the bogey when he started humming. Give me the campfire light and commit me to the Lieber Lieberein. And took his glasses off to clean them. Or perhaps he was crying. Who knows? Who cares? Anyway, when he did that, I took the opportunity to let the bogey run free and wild. I even did a bit of bogey dance of the bogey dance slightly behind him and managed to get the hanky back in place before he finished. When I walked back to my desk, the whole class spontaneously clapped. Herr Kammeyer thought it was for his crap camping song and bowed. Quite sensationally German. <laughs> you see, that's quite grown up, isn't it? People say, sometimes reviews say that my books are a bit childish. <laughs> right, so this is the actual bit of camping, and then I'll let you ask some questions. <laughs> so we all get, I'll get made to go camping. Surely it must be time for bed now. The sheep were no fun. Rosie um, put her bison horns, she took them to, so we could practice a bison Viking inferno dance, and she strapped them to the sheep so that we could ru rustle them up. <laughs> the sheep were no fun. In the end, they just huddled together at the far end of the field. How dim can animals be? We headed back for the campfire because we'd nothing else to do. The nearest village is about an hour away and it's probably full of the elderly insane. After the excitement of the singing fiasco, the atmosphere really heated up because for our further entertainment, Herr Kammeyer started doing shadow animals in his tent with a lamp. 
did. He said people couldn't get enough of it when he went camping in the Black Forest. Do we know any German comedians? No is the answer you're looking for. Anyway, live and let live, I say. Here come I made the shape and then we had to guess what it was. Jazz was keen as mustard. She got the rabbit and the eagle. On and on it went. I don't know how anyone knew what animals they were supposed to be when it was clearly just Herr Kamaya's hands. <laughs> then he said from inside his tent, I think that is enough, girls. I finish now. And he reached to get something from his haversack. You could see him all silhouetted in the tent. I shouted out, an elephant. <laughs> he said, ah, no, I have now finished. I'm not making the animals anymore. And he came out of his tent with his toothbrush. Rosie said, alarm, we're on holiday. <laughs> Come on, I started going over to the bathroom facilities. Nine, nine, I have finished now. And he went, as he went into the facilities, I yelled, a cock! <laughs> he didn't hear me. Jazz did, though. Representative for the Wildlife of Great Britain Club. She said, you're being silly, Georgia. I'm off to the hide now to see if I can see any badgers. Anyone want to come with me? Is she insane? <laughs> Poor Jazz. Actually... People often ask me about what happened to Jazz, and Jazz did actually marry the boy. Which is quite sweet in a way, though indescribably dull <laughs> still. <laughs> right, it's just, just the last bit. <laughs> right. Do you remember Miss Wilson, the religious education teacher? <laughs> She's in this again. Five minutes later, some of the merry campers have come back from the newt pond and are having another game of rounders. Nauseating pea green. Nauseating pea green. I was talking to Rosie. She made that song up about nauseating pea green. Is that mean? Nauseating pea green, who has been keeping a, lo a low profile this weekend, to thank the Lord, is a fielder out by the bathroom facility. I said to Rosie quietly, I don't want to be mean or anything, but nauseating pea green is unusually unusual looking. Rosie stopped platting for a minute to look. Please let her fall over. There's nothing funnier than seeing her trying to get up again. <laughs> At which point, Melanie Griffith sought the rounders ball really hard over to where nauseating pea green was on fielding duties. Melanie ran for first base, and even Herr Kammeyer stopped setting fire, to thing, setting fire to things to look up. As I may have mentioned before, Melanie's nunga-nungas have a life of their own when she's running. I said to Rosie, any minute now she'll come careering past us and into the woods. <laughs> Everyone was shouting at nauseating pea green, catch the ball, four eyes, catch it. I said, she can't even see the ball. The ball would have to be the size of her ass to see it through those glasses. <laughs> at which point, the funniest thing known to humanity happened. Nauseating pea green was running backwards trying to catch what, where she thought the ball might be. And she crashed into the bathroom facility, otherwise known as a tent. Half of the bathroom facility, also known as a piece of old tent, collapsed around her to reveal Miss Wilson blinking out from underneath the shower. Rosie and I nearly fell out of the tree. Three minutes later, my ribs hurt from laughing. Seeing Miss Wilson in the noddy pants, apart from a spotted shower cap, is possibly the sight of the century. She just stood there, blinking in the sun, with her soap on a rope. <laughs> Rosie said, cool. <laughs> 10 minutes later, Miss Wilson managed to crawl under the rest of the bathroom facility and has just come out with her clothes on. As she came out, Herr Kammeyer walked quickly into the woods. Five minutes later, I said to Rosie, imagine if it had been slim. Rosie said, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite good, isn't it? <laughs> right, I'm going to give you a bit of an opportunity to quiz me now, like a quizzling thing. Is anybody brave enough to ask a question? 
don't have to be intelligent. Oh, do we want a microphone? Yeah. Yeah, because then people at the back can hear, can't they? You can hear your wonderful wise words booming out <laughs> in the tent. Um, does, can you get it in the middle there? Is the band real? Like it's the band, Stiff Dylan's. Dylan's. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? Last night, uh, not last night, yesterday lunchtime when I went out with Rosie, they've got a website. They're not actually, you, actually, you girls will be so disappointed because they're probably about 50 now. <laughs> but they have got, and we're going to go to gigs again. We're going to stalk them like we did in the old days. <laughs> Hello, you thought that you were free. <laughs> but Rosie and I are here again. <laughs> so, yeah, they are. The, I don't know about um, the sex god. Guess what happened to him? Married Wet Lindsay. <laughs> that can be very cruel, can't it? Actually, there is a bit of a it, there is a bit of a silver lining to the story because they're very, very unhappy together. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine marrying Wet Lindsay. What is the matter with people? The other thing that people ask me is they they said surely you didn't stalk her. Well, I did, I'm afraid. And she did actually wear, you know, false things. <laughs> you can't say, though, can you? <laughs> Anyone else? Yeah, there's a, a little group of... A gaggle. Have you ever thought about turning any of your books into films? That's a big question, isn't it? Did you hear all that about the film? Have you been, have you been onto the Tinternet thing, looking <laughs> about the film? Well, it's going to start filming in September. Which is, uh, somebody said to me, actually, after my, I was rambling on about this church incident to me that, that happened to me this morning, and, and somebody, oh, it was you actually, were asking, you were asking me about the film, weren't you? Yeah. And she said, oh, you know, wouldn't it be lovely when you go down the red carpet? And I said, I'm absolutely bound to fall over <laughs> and show my knickers. It's, uh, it's just obligatory, really, isn't it? That'll be my moment. I'll be, you'll be seeing me going, hello, yes. Yes, I am a bit of a genius, so the Americans say. <laughs> 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 yeah, so... I don't, to be honest, I don't know what it's going to be like because I've not had... i tell you the funniest thing, though. Life is so funny. You know, I'm friends with... Uh, do you know Alan Davis, the comedian bloke? He's in Jonathan Creek and he does uh, Q QI? Is it? Yeah. Pretends to be clever. Um, well, he's a big mate of mine and he's always bloody telling me off. Always. He told me off. I went to his wedding and he told me off. He said I was frightening the boys. <laughs> Angus Dayton, a boy. Anyway... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, so he's always, and he always acts like a grown-up. I was just, I think I was discussing with you, you were telling me, weren't you? We, we did one of those, in the newspapers, you do this, how I met so-and-so. And it was how Alan and I had become friends, because we've been friends for a long time now. And you get taken apart, so you don't, the interview interviews you separately, so you don't know what the other person said. And I was tremendously nice. I lied about him, actually. I said he was a really decent bloke, <laughs> excellent friend in every way, made me laugh, blah, blah, blah. And he was so vile about me, wasn't he? He said, I drank too much. Uh, I didn't know anything. He, he said, the first thing he said is what? He said he told lies. He, told li he said I told lies. <laughs> was, actually, he was right, because I said he was nice. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like all things in life, you only have to wait, don't you, for things to come round to you again. And actually, Alan has been to audition to be the father in the film. <laughs> yes! He's going to be my farty, maybe. <laughs> So, yes, I'm, just, I'm very smug about that. Um, so I don't know what it's going to be. You know, I don't know what it's, he... I've not been asked to write the script, which, in my humble opinion, is a terrible error of judgment. <laughs> so 
And it's made, it's going to be filmed by Gorinda thing. Chadra. Is it Chadra? She did uh, Bend It Like Beckham, which actually was quite good, wasn't it? I thought Bend It Like Beckham was quite a nice, sweet, funny film. So you never know. It might be all right. I haven't been asked to be in it yet myself. <laughs> I don't actually know who I Who could I be in it? Just some mad friend of the mother's, I suppose. <laughs> Miss Wilson. No. <laughs> yes, I know how that girl felt because I had very bad B.O., when I was, do you remember that bit from Angus Thongs where she started telling us all these dreadful... Honestly, I wanted to kill myself. It's a bit like being in church today. I was just going, oh, please make it stop. Make her die. <laughs> right, another little question. You've been very silent this end. You're thinking about intelligent things. Because you wrote it when, um, about when you were... Where are you? Show you. Oh, there you are. Me. Because um, <laughs> you wrote it when you... Um, about when you were young, did you have to kind of modernise it about like mobile phones and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> is that <laughs> is that a sort of disguised rude question? No, it well, wasn't supposed I'm to not be. A teenager, always, <laughs> always comes out wrong. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Actually, I didn't. I tell you why. It's because when I first started, I've, most of my friends are much, much more cruel than you. Uh, but when I first started doing it, they said, uh, you're not a teenager, Louise. You're going to have to go do research. And I thought, oh, God, to go out into schoolyards and stuff like that. And I did. And I, I started talking to the girls I knew. And I said, uh, so, uh, was there any snogging went on last night? And they went, snogging? You say snogging. That is so, so sad. I can't talk to you. Like that. So I said, well, wh what do you say then? And they'd say, making out or filching, oh, I don't know what it was. <laughs> so then I'd go to the next group and I'd say, oh, any heavy filching last night? And they'd go, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and they went, do you mean snogging? Why don't you just say snogging? And I said, well, you, they said you didn't say snogging. So in the end, nobody agreed with anyone. You know, they're all, the townies d disagreed with the country. So I just made up my own language and the language I use is actually what I, it's a combination of what I used to do at school, you know, like the bonkerosity and all of that sort of stuff, is we used to do that at school. But also, very, very tragically, I still do do it with my friends. You know, all that thick as a thick thing on thick tablets on a <laughs> thick holiday in Thickland. Sometimes me and my friends in Brighton actually never get to the end of a sentence because we just keep doing that. So I sort of tried, I didn't, I like books when I'm not, that don't, make me think, oh, God, that's not right. You know what I mean? It's, it, it can't, I think if you put too many modern things in a book, it actually dates it really quickly. Because, you know, what is the latest thing? If I put in iPod, you know, by next year, it would be meaningless. So, and I'm not very interested, to tell you the truth, in all that sort of stuff. I'm a bit, you know, I'm a bit useless on the internet thing. <laughs> and it's not, I don't think it's very interesting to read about, frankly. I've seen people who've written books, and they've done it, like, in text thing. And you just think, this is so dull, you know. So I didn't. I just, I just followed my own. What, because what I think happens is that, you know, you go through the same emotional stuff when you're a teenager. And I, I understand, you know, all that sort of snogging, all that worrying about what you look like and all of that stuff actually stays the same, I think, really. Just in different clothes. <laughs> Anyone else? There's a whole shard of... You're looking very bewildered. I don't know. You choose someone. <laughs> we passed a long ride to the end. Um, well, 
Is that a man hiding next to you? What? In a red... You're hiding. He's not mine. I'm not hiding. You're hiding. Oh, you're hiding. You're lurking. There's men lurking. There are men in here. Are you somebody's... Are you farties? Have you been made to bring them here in your car and then ignored for the entire... That's what I used to do. I must have met my dad. You're lucky you're allowed in. I wouldn't let my dad in. You had to sit in the car, crouched down underneath the... <laughs> so that nobody could see his head. And I used to say to him, don't, under any circumstances, talk to me. <laughs> it, it's so cruel. It doesn't last forever. Believe me. Sorry, who's... So, yeah. yes, there you are. I had to tell you this, but... Yes, um, you don't... Is it nice? Yeah, no, well, it's funny. Oh. It's, like, similar to what you were saying earlier right. about teachers. We have these two music teachers who, um, I think, secretly hate each other, but that's not really the point. But um, <laughs> they're both insane, clinically insane. And Excellent. One of them we hate, one of them we, we really, really like. But um, we were in music, and one of my friends was doing a similar thing to the Snot Disco, but with Blue Tack. <laughs> And um, she, was <laughs> she was leaning over our music teacher's head, because there's not very many of us, so we just sit around. And um, it fell off into her hair. Oh. Was that Katie? Yeah. yeah, it was Katie. Yeah, anyway. So it fell off into her hair. Into and the music teacher's hair? We had to tell her, but um, we had to cut it out. That's <laughs> terrible. To... You didn't say you were pretending snot, did no, you? No, no, no. Well, she, I don't think she was. She was just being mental. But... Um, I no. love that. That's so, you know, no, she's just been mental, actually. <laughs> when Rosie, in the new book, that's a bit like that. Rosie actually did the snot disco. After I did it in Herr Kammeyer, she did it in French. And actually, Madame Slack, can you imagine? Wouldn't you change your name if you were called <laughs> Madame Slack? Was a bit kind of on the, you know, she's a bit more alert than Herr Kammeyer. And she looked, Rosie was going, you know, doing the sort of snot <laughs> thing behind her like that. And she looked up. So Rosie actually ate the bogey. <laughs> She just went. <laughs> yes. Nice. Which is pretty disgusting. But yeah, so, um, yeah, it was horrible. Well, I'm glad you're keeping up my standards at your school. <laughs> yeah, this, on the end there. Are you going to write another book? Oh, leave us alone. It's like bloody homework. <laughs> just finish this one. I'm having a bit of a holiday. Yeah, I am, actually. Yeah, I, I, so I sort of think, oh, that's it, I'm not doing any more. And then I start thinking, ooh, you know, get back with the boys and everything. Can I just ask you, who would you like Georgia to be with? Would you like her to be with Massimo? Dave the Laugh. Give me a show, show of hands for Dave the Laugh. Bloody hell. <laughs> he would have been quids in if he knew, wouldn't he? <laughs> just because he's funny. He actually was one of the funniest boys I've ever known. He's somebody I haven't caught up with yet, but I will. But he did that thing. Uh, in America, you know, they're quite fascinated by it. Like, oh, I hate it when I did, um, again, it was a religious station in the Midwest, and uh, it was on the telephone. And uh, this woman said, um, first of all, she said to one thing that made, really made me laugh a lot. Because you know in America, uh, f uh, well, in England, fag can mean a gay person and a cigarette. Well, it only means a gay person in America. I don't know what you're talking about in the cigarette front. And she said to me, uh, hello, Mr. Anderson. Nice to speak to you. God bless you. He loves you. Cheers. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, but um, we love your books here. But we noticed that you say on page three that um, Rosie lit up a fag. <laughs> now, we think that is kind of cruel and unnecessary. <laughs> Do they actually think that we set fire to homosexualists in England? <laughs> 
really extraordinarily dim. I get letters from girls saying, uh, Dear Mr. Renison, could you send us some more British words? <laughs> How's that? Uh, me and my friends are practicing being British. Um, and they go to, to bars and they talk what they call British. You know, they say pip pip. I'm making it up. <laughs> anyway, why was I talking? Oh, yeah. And then she said, we got across this fag business a bit. And then she said, um, now, your latest book has got an interesting title, Knocked Out by My Noonga Noongas. <laughs> what, what are Noongas? You know, and you think, oh, please don't let us go there. <laughs> and I, but once, you know, what can I, I said, once I'd started, I said, well, I had this mate, Dave the Laugh, who he was funny. And he used to have euphemisms for all kinds of like, if you wanted to go to the lavatory, you'd say, whoo, just off to the piddly diddly department. <laughs> oh, no, hang on, I think it's the poo parlor division. <laughs> And he'd say, away laughing on a fast camel instead of goodbye. And he, I was at the school gates, and um, this girl with quite large bazoomers came walking past. And Dave said, crikey, look at the nungunungas on her. And I said, Dave, even I, frankly, am a bit baffled by how you get bazoomers into nungunungas. And he said, oh, well, it is quite technical. If you get hold of a girl's breast <laughs> and you pull it out, <laughs> like you do, and then you let it go, it goes nunga nunga nunga. <laughs> Imagine trying to explain this to this person in the Midwest Bible Belt. <laughs> There's just this awful silence after when, yeah, it goes, and the breast goes nunga nunga nunga. <laughs> it's just like tumbleweeds of silence. And then she said, um, yes, well, thank you, goodbye. <laughs> yes, yeah, so why was I telling you anything about America? I don't know, I was just showing off, wasn't I, really? Any more questions? Little girl down there. Only not little, actually. Oh, well, got, I've got you scampering around. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I mean... Uh, um, how many books are you going to write all together? Oh, that's what we were talking about, wasn't it? Um, I don't know. I'll tell you what I don't want to do is I don't want to get bored. Uh, you know, I'd hate it if I didn't like doing it. I mean, I, I work um, in this place in Brighton, which is quite eccentric, really. It's called the Natural Health Centre. And people do like yoga. It's very hippie-ish. The shop next door is called Infinity. And I still make myself laugh and say, I'm just popping to Infinity. <laughs> ah. <laughs> on and on and on. Until everybody gets it. Um, anyway, yeah, so I write upstairs in this small office. And I've got, um, has anybody heard of gyrotonics? It is the weirdest thing. It's like this kind of, it looks like an S&M sort of torture machine thing, really. Some poor sod gets on this bench, and then the so-called instructor kind of straps them into like pulley systems, and the legs are going up and down, and they're leaping like that. And that's sort of like I write like here, and they're there, so I'm like this. <laughs> and I write, I wear uh, a tiara <laughs> and fancy shoes just in case. This is my logic. How mad am I? Just in case I get asked out to a party. <laughs> whilst I'm writing, and I don't have enough time to go home. Do you see? Always ready. Anyway, uh, why was I telling you that? I don't know. I've no idea. Books. How many of them get that? That's it. I knew I did something. Um, but, I d but it still makes me laugh, and I still want to find out certain things about it. You might not believe it, and people say, what happens? What's, what she and you know J.K. Rowling says that she had it all planned out, everything in her head before she wrote it down. I quite literally haven't got a bloody clue what's going to happen when I pick up my pen? You know, it just kind of... In fact, I do do this weird sort of automatic writing at first. I just, 
I just write in longhand and I don't read it back. I do about 4,000 words and just sort of like automatic writing. It's weird actually, isn't it? I think I might be a sort of genius. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else? So yes, I will be writing some more and I, two at least. Ten's nice, isn't it? Don't you think? Over there? Where, oh, you see? Have you ever had any other jobs except writing? <laughs> Did you hear what she said? Have you ever had any other job, like a proper job? Is that what you're, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I've been pretty bad at all the jobs I've had. I worked in a bank once in New Zealand. I hated New uh, Is anybody from New Zealand? Who? Where? Put your hand up. Are you? It's lovely. <laughs> No, it is lovely. Where are you from? Palmerston North. You don't sound like a New Zealander. You're six years. Well, that's not a New Zealander, is it? Say egg. 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 That, well, you're not New Zealander. Uh, New Zealanders say egg. <laughs> egg and bacon. And you lived in Palmerston North. I lived in, do you know Taupo? Yeah, my uncle. Yeah, that's where I lived. But we're not actually in Taupo. Taupo is quite a small place, really, isn't it? But where we lived was called Wairaki. And it was the centre of some of the most violent geothermal activity in the entire universe. So I went from Leeds, which was quite a groovy town when I, when I was living there as a teenager, to this place. And I remember I was just absolutely <laughs> horrified because the ground was sort of heaving about like that because there's all molten steam underneath trying to get out and kill you. And, uh, and the sheep were going up and down and the trees were going backwards and forwards. And I remember we had lunch in the back garden and I actually had to hold the table down to try and eat my... I said, you've ruined my life. What are you going to do about it to my mum and dad? And so I got sent back to England. So I was only there sort of briefly. Why was I talking about New Zealand? Quickly, quickly. Jobs. Yes. Well done. I'm glad that somebody's paying attention. Not <laughs> me. Um, but I actually had, there was very few jobs in this small place, so I got given, stupidly, I don't know who thought this was a good idea, a job in a bank. <laughs> and in New Zealand at that time, the pubs closed at six, uh, nine o'clock at night, and there was a late night on Friday. So by the time I'd finished the bank job, the pubs were closed, and that was the only place to go, you know, that was the only kind of entertainment. So I had a tea break at about six o'clock, and I went home, and I really do not recommend you do this. And I drank a whole bottle of wine. I was so bored. I just went, <laughs> went back to work. Quite mellow, really, on the whole. And I gave away loads of money. <laughs> this woman came in to draw some money, and she didn't have any in her account. And I thought, oh, that's just not fair. That is real. This person's got loads. <laughs> I know. And so I gave this woman, she was terribly pleased. And then I got found out and I thought, oh, well, that's great because I'll be deported. <laughs> you know, and that'll be brilliant. But actually what happened was I had to stay on at the bloody bank and pay off the money myself until I'd done it. So I didn't bother with any more jobs after that. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, yeah, a couple more then. How many? One more. Oh, we haven't done... Yes, all right then, go on. We didn't come down this side. What happened to the rest of the East Gang? What happened to the rest of the race, Ace Gang? I know them still. I know Rosie and Jazz. Um, 
Ellen, I know where she... We had a bit of a reunion, actually, because I, I said I'm from Leeds, and I went to do a reading in a Leeds bookshop, and they all turned up. I hadn't seen them for years. And uh, they were talking amongst themselves. I was saying something, and they're going, no, you didn't do that. That was me. <laughs> I said, look, I'm the... It's my reading. Mm, you would, she would say that, wouldn't she? You know, they were all sort of bickering and squabbling. And then we went out, and we had this brilliant night. It's really, really nice to see them, and I still... I mean, jazz is still incredibly annoying. <laughs> she is, and does that. She still flicks a fringe around like an idiot. And Rose is just mad, really, really, really mad. Um, and the rest of them are just the same. So yeah, they all, they're all still there in the world. <laughs> and so pleased to be featuring in my lovely books. <laughs> anyway, I think we're going to have to finish because there's somebody else on after me, isn't there? Just like to thank you all for coming. Louise will be signing books uh, next door in the signing tent. If you can just give us a couple of minutes to get out there before you go round. But thank you all for coming, and I'd like you to do some disco inferno dancing. Give a huge applause to Louise <laughs> Renison. <laughs> Am I going that way? Yeah. This way.